3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate, to teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Well, here we go again. As soon as we get some optimism about the low-level trade talks with China, the president comes out and lowers the boom, telling his minions to proceed with tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese products. So the market goes up initially, and then we pirouette right back down. And then you know what? Spend the rest of the day meandering back to even. Dow ultimately closing up just nine points, while the S&P advanced 0.03%. NASDAQ declined 0.05%. Kind of a nothing session, candidly, but a lot underneath. Listen. Listen, good. Okay, you need to realize the president doesn't want China to talk. He wants China to cave. We need to stop getting all euphoric. Bye, bye, bye. Every time one of Trump's more laissez-faire advisors says something encouraging, you should never believe we're going to make a deal with the Chinese unless you're hearing it from an outspoken protectionist like Peter Navarro the president's top trade advisor. Still, even though tariffs and trade remain in the driver's seat, there was something different about today's action. The industrials held in just fine. Many did quite well, like United Technologies. What's going on there? I mean, is a split up coming? Normally, these kinds of stocks get punished when trade tensions flare up. However, the broader market still gave up most most of its gains. Uh, So please, Let's learn from today, if not from the other 10 days this has happened. Don't be taken in the next time Treasury Secretary Mnuchin makes it sound like we're making progress with China. Mnuchin's not in charge. With that in mind, let's look at the game plan for next week. Okay, first, on Monday, we hear from FedEx... And from Oracle, we pulled up with David Abney, the CEO of UPS on Squawk on the Street this morning, and he talked about the opportunities and challenges in an increasingly e-commerce dominated world. I don't envy UPS at this time of year. No matter how fast you are or how much you spend on workers, it's nearly impossible to get the holidays right. Plus, you never know when you're going to get to get some sort of surge in demand that you're not even thinking about. David told me we could get a big move out of nowhere, like a new Apple launch. It's fickle. It's expensive. So I'm not looking forward to the numbers from FedEx. Last time the company reported, its stock fell from 264 to 226 over a dreadful couple of weeks. FedEx has worked its way back to 255, which I think frankly heightens the risk. Having too much business is not a high quality problem in the shipping industry. It's just a plain old problem. Just like FedEx, Oracle disappointed last time around because the company didn't disclose how fast its cloud business is growing. So investors figured, well, maybe Man it was losing share, perhaps to the likes of Salesforce and SAP. Unlike FedEx, though, Oracle stock did bounce back. It's hard for me to believe that they'll disappoint this time. The problem is the upside. How much is it going to go up on a pretty good quarter? Not clear. You want upside? AutoZone (AZO) reports on Tuesday. The auto parts retailers have been down in the dumps until last quarter. When we started to get some good numbers, I don't want to talk about trying to profit from this horrible hurricane that's hammering Carolina. You can't put a price on human life. But anything that causes cars to get damaged tends to result in a lot more business for AutoZone. And business is already very good. I keep hearing that they have so much demand that their inventory is chronically in short supply. Hey, speaking of short supply, AutoZone's buyback is so voracious, they've shrunk their share count stock from just under 64 million shares a decade ago to 27 million shares right now. Shortage AutoZone stock. All right, we get to hear from General Mills. This stock's been rallying with the rest of the packaged Food Group, but it needs a new catalyst before it can have much more upside. I'm concerned about commodity costs and the crowded market for high-end pet food after they paid a fortune for Blue Buffalo the preferred dog food for both NVIDIA and AMD. What disturbed me was the $1 billion equity offering, $44 to help pay for the deal. After General Mills had bought back hundreds of millions of dollars with a stock at much higher levels, I think you can do better. You know, uh, we love the Cloud Kings here. Last night, Adobe reported a good quarter. Despite some nitpicking, the stock took off today, gaining 6 bucks. Glad I got to talk about it on uh, Mad Dash, where it was Dallas. I said, oh, come on, give me a break. It's a Cloud King. I bring that up because we hear from Red Hat, on Wednesday, and the last time Red Hat, a cloud king, reported, it got obliterated. Stock fell from $169 down $132 in the wake of what many investors consider to be disappointing billings. Red Hat, though, is a cloud king, a software board to the cloud. And these trends are so strong that I bet CEO Jim Whitehurst will deliver some stronger numbers. It's a decent spec going into the quarter. The other day, I mentioned the stocks that work when small business optimism is off the charts, but I missed one that reports Wednesday, and that is Herman Miller, the maker of furniture, especially office furniture. Now, we know RH, okay, that's home furniture, is doing well. Hey, by the way, thank you, Gary Friedman, for giving our viewers a tip that you were buying your stock if it's nonsensical to climb. I think Herman Miller is going to be good, too. Last time, they really crushed it. I think they're going to do it again. Thursday's full of controversy. We start with... Darton, the parent of Olive Garden? I don't have many disagreements with my wife, Lisa. I really don't. But she does insist that NVIDIA and AMD are really called Everest and Bug. Ugh. And she doesn't like Olive Garden to the point where she insists our Olive Garden in Tuscany be called an Olive Grove. She just never had the endless pasta and the fresh leafy salad and clearly has never gone to an O.G. with cargo pants to abscond with half a dozen of those great rolls. Her loss. All right. A couple of quarters ago, Darden reported a quarter that was widely panned and the stock sunk from 95 down to 84. I pounded the table right here, right now telling you, five, And it's now at 119. Well, the odds favor a better quarter like we had last time. I don't want to be greedy. If you don't own any of this high-quality domestic chain, you might bless it by a little, but uh, you sure aren't early to dinner here. Okay, glampers, we get results from four industries too, and this dominant maker of recreational vehicles has, has seen its stock go ice cold, ice cold uh, after a tremendous run. You can bet they'll have a good quarter, but I, I, I actually sweat the small stuff here, namely the rising costs of steel and aluminum because of tariffs. I also don't like the, the stock of Camping World is still down in the dumps. Thor's too hard to call. Then after the close, we hear from Micron, a stock that jumped up yesterday after David Tepper, a terrific money manager, said he's very, very long, this commodity semiconductor maker. Micron's a tough one because I think the quarter's going to be good, but the outlook, I predict, will be murky. If they don't guide down, though, then Tepper will look like a genius. However, if Micron cuts its forecast, which is what the price earnings multiple that's so low is signaling, I still think the stock goes lower. There is, though, a huge short position down here at 44. Once again, too much of a battleground. Finally, on Friday, we get our manufacturing uh, purchaser managers index, PMI. I think the number will be very strong. That could push the yield in the 10 year treasury above 3%, a key benchmark which we hit earlier today. That, in turn, would send the bank stocks flying. The cheapest these days is Goldman Sachs. They just announced an important management reshuffling that could bode well for a more rational cost structure and a more investment bank-heavy org table, given how gloomy and sometimes downright profitless the trading business has become. So here's the bottom line. We've got controversy galore next week with lots of risk. That's why if you're going to buy any of the stocks I just said I like going into earnings, you need to leave some room to buy more afterwards just in case they keep going down. Let's go to Alex in New York, Alex. Jimmy, a big disappointed 0-1 to start the fantasy football season, booyah baby. Ski Daddy's rock booyah, how can I help?
1: Latam Airways, LTM, the largest carrier in all of South America, has been floating at or near 52 week lows for a few weeks now. Is this a buying opportunity? Are you are too know,
3: Alex, you, you and I play fantasy football. Well, that's fantasy stock. I mean, you know what? I would not put real money on that thing. I think it's too darn, darn hard. All right, now we're going to go to Josh in, Carson, Josh in North Dakota. Josh.
4: Jim, to you in North Dakota State, so i Carson Wentz. Uh, go Bison, booyah.
3: Carson Wentz hey, will be like, back. He will be back. What's up?
4: Hey, like him, I'm an outdoors and kind of enthusiast. I love to hunt. I bought AOBC, American Outdoor Brands, back in the Smith & Wesson days at 22. You know, it's said that uh, a pro-gun administration isn't always the best thing to have gun stocks in the portfolio. But then uh, an administration that's anti-gun, it's time to buy, buy, buy. You know, with the 40% jump uh, after earnings came out in August and the 13% uh, sense rate, right. it's time to double down. So, no, no, old.
3: no, that, that was the move. I think that was the move. I think that actually gave me a chance to be able to lighten up on the situation, which I do not have a lot of conviction in. I just think it's just not been a good situation to be in, and to see it jump up like that is good. It's good, so you can. All right, risk and controversy abound next week. I say AutoZone is the best trading player to keep your eye on, okay? Oh, man, money tonight, could Boot Barn still have you doing the boot scootin' boogle? boogie that's hard to say despite today's decline i'm sitting down with the ceo to find out then football's back and you know what that means it's time for some wings i'm eyeing Wingstop to see if you can keep flying higher and it's one of the best success stories in the fintech sector up 72 percent over the past year and you may never even have heard of it so i'm going to reveal the name if you stick with kramer
2: don't miss a second of mad money Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag madtweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.
2: For work, for play, for function, and for fashion. These boots are made to bring the style of the West to your wardrobe. But can the spirit of the frontier
3: rustle up returns in your portfolio? One of the hottest retail stocks is a chain that many of you might not even be familiar with. It's called Boot Barn, Simple Boot, B-O-O-T, the lifestyle chain devoted to Western and work-related footwear, apparel, and accessories. I think of it as the place where you buy your cowboy boots when you're getting ready to be the man who shot Liberty Valance. But as much as I, I might joke about this company being like the costume department for a great Sean Ford movie, the fact is business is booming. Boot Barn stock has rallied more than 250% over the past 12 months, including a 79% gain just year-to-date. Monster move. These boots were not, were not made for walking. They're made for running. When the company reported a month ago, they really did shoot the lights up. Boot Barn reported it earned 15 cents a share, excluding a tax benefit when Wall Street was only looking for 12. Higher-than-expected revenues. explosive same-store sales growth, up 11.6%. They got 233 stores across 31 states, and they plan on adding 23 more locations in the current 2019 fiscal year. No wonder. The stock's been roaring. This is a terrific growth story. Uh, don't take it from me. Let's check in with this is such an exciting story. Jim Conroy. He's the president CEO of Boot Barn to get a better sense of the company's prospects. Mr. Conroy, welcome to oh, Buddy. Good to see you, sir. Jim have a seat. Thank you, for All right, me. I'm gonna quote uh, because I'm you know I'm excited. I'm gonna quote something from my friend Matthew Boss, JP Morgan. Right. Boot is firing on all cylinders with brick and mortar comps up, double digits, e-com growing 20%, margin math compelling, given the combination of full price selling. So you are expanding gross margins at the same time as blowing out the numbers. There are very few companies that are doing it. How are you capable of doing that?
1: Look, Boot Barn is an incredible uh, company with a credible proposition. And what most people don't realize that 85% of our sales are conducted at full price. So we're actually pulling back on promotions. Pulling back. Pulling back on Everyone promotions. Everyone else is
3: promoting, right. and you're
1: pulling back. Right. Now, it's it's a, a fortunate place for us to be. It's a it's a huge industry. It's a $20 billion market. It's been hidden in plain sight for decades and we now have the opportunity to just continue to expand across the country
3: now one of the things that you do in your handout is just amazing you have most people have in their handout it's got their numbers and you have a picture of an Mm f-150 you have a picture of uh of nascar you've got thousands of rodeos you have country music popularity that's you that's boot
1: bar yes i actually grew up in new york so i had to learn that that's right that's right I grew up on the even the west so, side, the west side of New York right? <laughs> Very good, but when you get out and you and you fly from here to L.A. and you look out the window for five and a half hours of that six-hour flight, you're looking down at customers that drive a pickup truck, right? Nice. It's the most right. popular vehicle in the U.S., and they're listening to country music. And that's, you know, they wear boots, hats, workwear, and blue jeans every day of their life. This isn't a, a costume at all for them. This
3: is what they wear. But it's really important, I think, to point out because you affiliated with a great country music star, women, women love this. That's right. That's right. Well, it's a store for the whole family, right? We sell
1: men's and ladies, work and Western. And we've had some really nice growth in, in all parts of the business recently. So it's been, uh, it's been great to see broad-based growth.
3: Okay. Now, I've been thinking, I, honestly, I, I think that you've got the, uh, one of those huge roadmaps where I think that there's a lot more states you could be in and a lot more places. That's right. 19 this year. I mean, do you think you can continue that growth?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've always said we'd grow 10% new units a year, and we're kind of on pace to do that. Uh, This year, we said we'd grow 23 stores. We feel good about that number. But we only have 233 stores, and we think we can double the store count, and that's just in the U.S.,
3: Now, let's talk about that, because I think this works in in Paris. I think it works in London. No, come on, you know that. It it does. That's what they love. Anybody who loves a John Ford movie, right, you're talking about these great countries in Europe, they would love it. China would love it.
1: That's right. That's right. I think the Americana feeling in China someday could work. Uh, Right now, internationally, our biggest country is Australia. Uh, But from a store growth perspective, we'll get there someday for, for the foreseeable future we're going to look at Ohio Pennsylvania New York and and you know, the contiguous 48 states I've well, kind of well, well, been
3: from Pennsylvania I tell you there's a lot of people who you know can leave, leave its country and it's not of part course. of the of right. the rest. Now, let me let me ask you, uh, I, I've <laughs> got to ask you about the 30%. I know it's not as important as the as, cost, as the uh, beautiful dress, dress wear, but uh, we are big believers in work wear. We've been recommending Cintas over and over again. We should be including you too,
1: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So work has been perennially strong for us. Uh, in the most recent quarter, we had tremendous growth in work boots and on, in work apparel. And I think that's uh, partly unemployment is so low, and uh, right. par- partly the the growth in the Texas market, given that oil has recovered. So we're selling a lot of flame resistant product and and product
3: that guys need to wear to work on an oil rig. Right. We've been on oil rigs. We uh, we totally identify sure. with that. Now uh, you got you're you're kind of non you're insulated from Amazon, aren't you?
1: We are to some degree. Uh, you know, Amazon's an incredible competitor, but right. we're a store purchase first and foremost, right? The our customers have the capability now to buy from us online or Amazon online, right. and our store's business is much more, you know, much bigger and much right. more vibrant than and the online business. And for us, um, I think when people want to buy a, a you know, $300 Western boot, they want to make sure it fits. Um, so they come to the store and they want that expertise. They want the authority of a lifestyle brand. Right. And uh, if they do go online, we actually, for our product, many of our vendors sell more product to us than they do to Amazon. So we're actually bigger than Amazon in, in many of uh, cases.
3: And you also come up uh, on searching Google, and that's you right. dominate searching Google,
1: which that's must right. be a great way to get customers. It is. You know, that's one opportunity for us to go out and get net new customers. And uh, while we are excited to be in 31 states, we still have plenty of other places where we don't yet have a store. But people are getting familiar with the boot barn brand. All
3: right. I, I would be doing you a disservice if I did not let you talk about some of the merchandise here. So, why don't you show it all? Sure, off? absolutely. We, I, I love all boots
1: equally. And uh, when I look at it, you know, there is. For something, but they're your
3: children. That's right. For a show like
1: this, you want to bring kind of exciting and and uh, you know, right, of course, you know the, the sizzle. But what what actually pays the bills are are brown distressed leather boots and and work boots that right. you know guys work in these in either one of these. Okay. And they wear through them and they need to come back and get another pair. So I think oftentimes, particularly in New York, people think, well, this is a cycle that comes and right, goes. Right, right. That, that's not our core customer. Our core customer is wearing a brown distressed leather boot and a pair of jeans and when they wear through them they come back to us and they know we'll have their size
3: and some of it is private label where i that's think the margins right. must be terrific that's right that's right
1: that's right the the private brand uh, opportunity for us is great we have five brands two of them are in, are in the top five in the in the company two of our biggest uh, five brands oh, are private brands and uh, just on Wednesday of this week, we launched a, a new brand with uh, Miranda Lambert called right. Idlewind.
3: Everybody in my team lo- lo- loves, loves great, it. Great, Okay, uh, also, don't want to be remiss, apparel,
1: belts. Sure. No, belts is a big business for us. And, you know, for our stores, we, you know, denim is one of the biggest categories outside of boots, of course. And right? when somebody uh, buys a, a pair of jeans, we absolutely want our store associates to, to then get a belt in their hand. And, and as such, we actually brought you a belt that I think is in keeping with the uh, mantra of your show. There's always a, a bull market somewhere. And
3: Jim, you are <laughs> too guide. I'm wearing this tonight. We're going out in Summit, New Jersey. They release <laughs> things but I, you know, I put these on, I put this on, I'm completely in costume. Maybe we can show this. You know, this is the type of thing that it's genuine TV when you do these That's things. That's right. Well, Jim, you've got a great story. And Thank it's you. going to be a great story for many, many years. Thank Congratulations on what you put together. That's Jim Conroy, president and CEO of Boot Barn, Simple Boot. Matt Bunny's back after the break. Thanks very much.
0: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. At indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com/slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
3: If there's one thing the stock market loves it's dramatic irony. Look at Wingstop, the rapidly growing restaurant chain that's all about beer and sports and chicken wings. For well over a year, this stock roared higher as Wingstop just wouldn't stop. Do this is up 140% since the end of 2016, including a monster 82% gain year to date? So what happened here? Just as football season kicks off last week with the fabulous Eagles notching up a win, uh, even if they didn't exactly play like champions, but a W is a W. An analyst at BTIG downgrades Wingstop downgrades it from buy to hold. It was mostly a valuation call. Then this week, Goldman Sachs does the same thing. Suddenly, the stock seems to have lost its mojo. It's down 6% from its recent highs. This pullback begs the question, what do you do when you got a red-hot stock that's entering what should be its best time of the year, and it gets slammed by a couple of negative analysts who urge people to take profits? Do you use the weakness to buy more? Or do you reassess and ring the register yourself? First of all, I need to say that we spoke to the CEO of Wingstop, Charlie Morrison, in February of last year. And I've been positive on this stock ever since. If you listened to that very bullish interview and bought some shares, you've more than doubled your money. So what's the story here? Well, Wingstop wasn't too impressive when it came public in 2015. These guys eventually got their act together. By last year, the numbers were looking downright fabulous, making this one of the sexiest restaurant chains around. Wingstop had already uh, had steady same-store sales growth of 2.6% last year. But the more important component here is the regional, not to national, but regional to international expansion story. The company and its franchises currently operate about 1,000 locations in the U.S., another 100 or so in the rest of the world. They added 135 new ones last year. That terrific new store growth is what's been powering Wingstop's run. But even when the stock was more than 25 25 points lower last year, there were doubters. In December, Deutsche Bank initiated coverage with a whole rating. They were worried about yes, 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 Wingstop's valuation. Then a few weeks later, Wedbush downgraded it from outperform to neutral, citing similar fears. They thought the consensus earnings estimates were overly optimistic and figured the stock was just too darn expensive. And hey, I mean, I get it. The thing, things trading at roughly 60 times earnings, and that is really pricey. If you're only evaluating Wingstop on a price to earnings multiple, then I got to tell you something: 60 times earnings is too much. The company's got a long-term growth rate in the mid-20s, which means that even the most aggressive growth-oriented money managers typically would pay, wouldn't pay more than 50 times earnings. In other words, that's, this is 10 turns higher than what they would pay. But if you were only looking at the priced earnings multiple, then you missed the point. And more importantly, you missed an 80% rally. So what was the point? I don't know. I'm proud that we got the darn thing. And it helped me as we interviewed the CEO. When I checked in with Charlie last January at the gigantic ICR conference in Orlando, he laid out his plan for world domination. Just listen to this.
4: In six years I've been here, we've certainly more than doubled the size of the chain. But at the same time, we started to build an emerging international business. We just cleared our 100th restaurant at the end of this last year, 106 total. But that's, not, that's just scratching the surface. When he
3: says scratching the surface, he means Wingstop can grow its 106 international stores into 1,000 stores. And that's just staying within the markets where they already operate, throwing the potential for 2,500 stores here in the U.S. Remember, right now they have about 1,000, and you've got a fantastic story. But to understand, you need to be willing to judge Wingstop based on what we call the TAM. For the total addressable market. That's the key metric here, meaning all of the places where they can potentially put up successful new restaurants and not merely as price journeys multiple. That's not big enough. It doesn't, it doesn't capture the greatness here. Sure enough, in January, the company pre-announced a blog quarter, 5.2% same-store sales growth, and then a few weeks later, they paid out a $3.17 per share special dividend. Talk about shareholder-friendly. Now, the stock sold off pretty hard in February. Wall Street didn't like management's cautious guidance, but that turned out to be a fabulous buying opportunity. Why? Because management was just being conservative. That's their nature. When Wingstop reported again in May, they knocked it out of the park. Not only did the company deliver a terrific top and bottom line beat, but they posted some stunning 9.5% same-store sales growth. When the analysts were looking for 5.4%, that's probably the biggest difference that I saw, differential, this quarter. Remember that Wedbush, Bush Remember remember the guy who downgraded Wingstop in January? Well, get this. By June, he was forced to upgrade the stock again. In fact, he went so far as to say the long-term domestic international growth opportunities remain underappreciated. Hey, he would know. And you know what? He deserves credit for changing his mind when it became clear that he'd been wrong. Certainly, he picked a good time to upgrade because when Wingstop reported in early August, they knocked it out of the park again. This time, even though the same store sales came in a bit light, mostly due to tough comparisons, management felt confident enough to raise their guidance. They told us they'd be rolling out new locations at a faster pace, expanding their footprint by 12 to 12.5%. They raised their earnings forecast, and they told us that long term, they were planning to keep expanding the store count by more than 10% per year. Even better, Wingstop told us that the current quarter was looking good so far. Best of all, the company started talking about three new growth initiatives, digital, order, digital ordering, delivery, and international growth. Online orders now count for 24% of Wingstop's business, and they're gradually rolling out delivery nationwide. You know what this kind of is starting to sound like to me? Sound like Domino's Pizza. Remember, DPC went from a $10 stock roughly nine years ago to $280 stock right now? And the secret to their success was going digital and expanding overseas. Millennials hate ordering over the phone. They love using an app or website to get food delivered directly to the comfort of their homes or their parents' basement. So when Wingstop says we see no reason why our digital sales cannot... Approach the levels that are being achieved at some national pizza chains. They're talking about being the dominoes of chicken wings. They've already tested delivery in Las Vegas, and Chicago, and Austin. And in each of those markets, it gave their sales a high single digit boost. And these additional sales were very profitable. As for the international side of things, what could be more popular than chicken? They already have a pipeline of 600 international locations lined up in 13 countries. That's huge. Right now, Wingstop only has about 1,100 locations total. The stock rocketed higher after that last year. But like I mentioned earlier, it's pulled back over the past couple of weeks thanks to the pair of downgrades. Now it's BTIG and Goldman that are warning people away from Wingstop. And once again, their fears, what are they about? It's tiresome valuation. They argue that the stock is fully valued up here, so it's time to ring the register. My view. Sure, Wingstop looks expensive, selling for 67 times next year's earnings. estimates. Yes, I'm, I'm stipulating that. But this is a total addressable market story, not an earnings per share story. If they can really hit their growth targets, then when we look back at this moment a few years down the road, I think the stock will look cheap in retrospect. Bottom line, Wingstop has an incredible worldwide expansion story. If you've owned it all the way up, I know, yes, okay, ring the register and part of your position. Bulls bang money, bears make plenty odds get slaughtered. But if you don't have any Wingstop here, I'm betting that the recent pullback will turn out to be a great great buying opportunity. Buy, 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 buy. Ideally, it goes even lower, and you can use more, the weakness to buy more as managers got a plan for world domination. And who am I to disagree with them? Let's go to Victor in Idaho. Victor. Booyah, Jim. This is Tammy and Vic from Idaho. All right. Tammy uh, and Vic, want- what's going on? Well, we really enjoyed you highlighting evermet. Uh, we picked it up last year when you highlighted it, and we're still just smiling and grinning. All right. My question, Jim, is Curie uh, Green Mountain went private, and then they picked up our Dr. Pepper stock and uh, merged. I just could not figure out how to uh, figure out what it might be worth when they merged. Remember, they paid you that dividend. It was really hard. But you need you know here. What's the key thing? Bob Gamgort. We love Gamgort. He made us a huge amount of money in Pinnacle Foods. He's going to do it again. Buy, buy, buy. I think the story is a terrific buy, buy, buy. one. Buy, buy, buy. And thank you for bringing to attention, Victor. We were going to do a piece on we didn't get a chance to. All right. If you own Wingstop all the way up, I say congratulations to you. And please cash in a little bit of your position. If not, this pullback, it could end up being a great buying opportunity. So eat up. Much more Mad money, ahead, including my exclusive with the top execs of Broadbridge. What a winner that's been. How can a leadership change impact the stock going forward? we got to ask. Then, I'm eyeing the pot stocks to see if they can still light up your portfolio and make you some green. And a lawyer calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Four months ago, I introduced you to a financial technology company, or FinTech, with a smoking hot stock with Broadbridge Financial Solutions. Business was spun off by ADP, the huge payroll processing firm, way back in 2007. And in the last five years, Broadbridge has really come into its own. Their technology helps banks make themselves more efficient and better at managing risk, while their communication services make it easier for banks to engage with their clients. Since we checked in with Broadbridge in May, get this, the stock has vaulted from 112 to 137, with most of that move coming after the company report a blowout quarter a little over a month ago. Plus, over the summer, the stock was added to the S&P 500, which always gives you a nice boost. But this week, we got some news that should always cause investors to take stock. We learned that come 2019, Broadbridge's CEO is retiring, although he'll stick around as executive chairman with the current chief operating officer, COO, Tim Gokey, taking the helm. Leadership changes, even planned ones, can be unsettling when you've had huge wins as shareholders. So let's get some reassurance with Rich Daly. He's the outgoing CEO of Broadbridge Financial Solutions, and his success. Mr. Tim Goki, the current president and CEO, CEO, who'll take the reins as CEO starting next year. Mr. Daly, Mr. Goki, welcome to Mad Money. Welcome, welcome, back to Mad Money. Great, Great to be back. Thank you. Okay, so we know that it can be one of these things where people say, "Oh, like I like that guy Daly. I don't know about this new guy." So why don't you, uh, let's say, um, why don't you say why well, it's not a bad thing?
4: Jim, the board and I know that uh, if you're going to go down as a decent, decent leadership team. You're going to get succession right. We started on this over a decade ago. We had a strong management team. We still went into a two-year search to identify Tim. Tim joined us. He led the turnaround of our capital markets and solutions segment, and he's checked the box every step along the way. He's been a great partner with me, and he's just recently led our team on the next generation of our strategy that we rolled out at our last Investor Day last December. Tim's the real deal. We got this right.
3: All right. So, Tim, tell us about your background, uh, the, uh, the capital markets work that you did and what you've been working on the last year.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Really, uh, I'll start with the last with the last year, sure. which is we've been working with the whole senior management team on really where to go for the next 10 years. And we are very excited about the vision that we have for that. Uh, we talked about it at Investor Day last year around really big opportunities in extending the franchise we have in governance. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Right in how we can help our global capital markets clients simplify and improve their technology infrastructure, and really how we help wealth management firms in this country uh, address the challenges that they're going to have also as things evolve. So,
3: in- including things like passive investment, robo-advisors. Exactly. Co- robo these are all pressuring the markets. These
5: margins. are big pressures, and we can really help with that. Okay,
3: so one thing that I think is very exciting, Rich, and we have, you can talk about something exciting. Stuff. Some of some is mundane, you just mail, 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 and data, data, data. But uh, blockchain, which is financial tech, and what it means for our investors at home.
4: So at Broadridge, we're always looking with a long-term point of view. We're investing today three to five years out. Blockchain is a new technology that will make our world better. Think of it as being like the internet on steroids with security, all right? So we will lead in those activities. We've invested over $150 million into blockchain so far. We've rolled out under Tim's leadership, proxy in the US, proxy around the globe, all right? And on top of that, it's digital as well, because we want to get your listeners, the retail investors we both care so much about, the ability to give them the information they want in a digital format and make them better informed with less work on speed. their part. How about speed? Absolutely.
3: Right? Faster than three Click days. Click of the phone. Click like of the that. phone. All right. Now, you also have a kind of building business that's provided by our government, SEC 30E3. What's it mean?
5: 30E3, uh, just for your listeners, is uh, a new regulation that we are uh, that we were supportive of that is will help uh, simplify the distribution of information, regulatory information, to end investors for mutual funds. And it will uh, help reduce the amount of paper and postage that is a cost to to everyone. And uh, we think it's a very positive thing. It's gonna take a couple of years to roll out, but we're working with our clients right now to help them with that.
3: Okay, I think that people want to know uh, what is be their day-to-day uh, interaction with Broadridge and they don't know that they're interacting with Broadridge and they own shares. Just kind of just say that you're, because you're really kind of all-encompassing yep. and you're behind the scenes, but people
5: are really dealing with you. Yeah, so a couple of different areas. First of all, the most obvious one is around communications right. and uh, pretty much all of the regulatory communications that you might receive, uh, particularly around boards of directors elections uh, would come from us. Right. In many cases, some of the other things, if you buy a mutual fund and you get uh, a prospectus afterwards, uh, that would come from us. There's a whole range of communications. But even deeper than that, as you mentioned, the other things that we do that are behind the scenes, uh, for many firms, their books and records, clearance and settlement, and some of their core technology, uh, we provide for them on a software as a service.
3: I have to tell you, the situation I was in, I'm the only stock model, and I started the street, I said, I didn't think my share count was right. The only people we trusted were you guys you knew the share count of how much I really voted. And that's what really came to it. You couldn't—no one knows and, this but stuff you. But you either.
4: had reason to trust us, because we're the only entity out there that has the technology, and then on top of that provides independent verification— right. Well, that's what we knew. I said, this is— a big when you We need to have someone who's— Right. Do.
3: And that's what you do, the and that's why you're trusted. broker. Right. Okay. Uh, last thing I, I need to know is, with President Trump, I thought there was going to be less regulation. But there hasn't been any lessening when it comes to the regulations that you guys are involved
4: in. I, oh, here's the great news. Jim, you're, you're the champion of the retail investor. Thank you. You know I'm passionate about retail investors. And I know how much they matter. Better news than either of that is the chairman of the SEC, Jay Clayton, Smart. really cares about retail investors. Totally. Everything he says, everything he writes always comes back to the retail investor. So we now are in a scenario. So it's not adding more regulation. It's making sure that the investor gets counted. So going forward, your investors, who I said the last time really matter, with Jay Clayton are going to matter more. Oh, that's what we want. He's running a roundtable. You can't get anything done unless the SEC vets these things. They're using the roundtable to do it. We'll be there with the ABCDs of Broadridge's technology future. Tim's leading this AI, blockchain, cloud, and digital. All right, we got to cover it. Okay, thank you so much. That's Rich Daly. He is the outgoing
3: CEO and soon to be executive chairman. And this is Tim Goki. He's the current COO and incoming CEO of Broadbridge BR. They have money back after the break. It is time. It's time for the labor over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lane room. Here's I'm Start with John in Alabama. John.
1: Professor Kramer, roll tide and
3: fly,
4: eagles, fly.
3: Oh, go, go birds. What's up?
4: Hey, I'm in need of a little continuing education, Professor. I bought Spotify back when you recommended it at about
1: 150. It's gone up to almost 200. Now it's pulled back, and it's been
4: trading sideways for about the last month. Do I hang on to it? Or yeah, I oh, it you know, buy it would buy, buy you more, actually.
3: Do. I would buy more. The problem is this wild, wild trader. But let's take out a three to five look. This thing is one of the great subscription board. You know, we love the subscription economy. This is at the heart of a Don in Virginia. Don. Hi, uh, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're quite welcome. Uh,
4: I'd like to ask you about those ticker symbol is G-O-V.
3: Yeah. Uh, they're... Okay, listen, I have to do more on this because it seems like a really legit, terrific REIT, but it yields 10%, and that's worrisome to me. So we got to come back and see if it can sustain that. Let's go to Ray in Pennsylvania. Ray! Hi, Mr. Kramer. Hey, Ray. Ray from Pennsylvania. Okay. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call, first-time caller. Long-time listeners. Go Eagles. Go Birds. Got a question about Owens Corning, OC. I'm down 20%.
4: Should I sell
3: hold No, but you know what? It's gonna be a rough slog. Why is it a rough slog? Because of the fact that it's related to housing. I don't mean to conflate uh, human life and money, but you know what? You may get a you may get bailed out here because of the of the hurricane. Uh, that's what would do it. Okay, let's go to Tom in Florida. Tom! Hey there, Jim. Uh, booyah, ski Daddy. Uh, I'm asking about FBC, Flagstar. What do you think going forward? You don't need forward? that. Ha- no, no. Here's where you are in that. I don't need me. you in that address. You don't want to be in a bank. Let's go to Steven in New York. Stephen. Hey, Jim, I uh, wanted to ask you about BIP, the uh, Chinese discount. Uh, uh, sell, 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 sell. I mean, sell, maybe sell, it bounces and you sell, get sell, sell, out sell, of it. sell, But, you know, we, we've disliked this for a long time. I need to go to... sell, Was? In uh, Colorado, yes. was Hi, Mr. Kramer. Thanks for all you do for us. Oh, thank what you. What's
5: your opinion on great computers?
3: Oh my god, the high performance computing company. No, I mean I got enough problems with it. why don't we stick with why don't we stick with uh with Cisco? Okay, let's stick with Cisco, kind of hardware software. Let's go to Gregory in California. Gregory! Hey, Jim, I'm a proud and very happy club member, and I loved the club call yesterday. Thank you. That's ActionAlertsPlus.com. I did a big hour and 15-minute call. I'm glad you liked it. It's still online. How can I help? I'm calling about a company I bought into just before their earnings, Triple D, 3D Systems. I went through that conference call. That was a great quarter. It took people by surprise. It was really good. I've been recommending HPQ as a way to do it, but I have this, this is the first time I've ever said this. I actually think the 3D might be investable. I really didn't think it was before. Mike in California, Mike by Mike, Mike.
4: Hey, Booyah Jim. Booyah. About a month ago, I rooted a stake in BP Perdot Bay Royalty Trust. Ticker ah. symbol BPT, yeah. And Jim, this week I've been thinking about adding to my current position, but. No, I wanted no, to check no, with no. It's
3: a wasting asset. I don't want you there. I know people like the 17% yield, but you're buying at a 52 week high. I'm going to say it's nay on that trade. And that, ladies and gentlemen, includes it. I'm the lightning round the
2: lightning round is sponsored by TD ameritrade
3: haters gonna hate
4: What's i'm so that? nervous i almost forgot how to say booyah
3: then up over 160 in the last year the money's pouring into this stock believe it or not
4: what happened
3: <laughs> air environment is flying high but our sky clear. Graduate from Michigan State University. Yes. On behalf of the Eagles and my Spartans, go Green. I like that. I like that analogy. Uh, oh, look at this quotations from Chairman Mao. That certainly comes. Doesn't this come in handy during a trade war? <laughs> Last time when you were on, you gave me a gift. Oh, uh, uh, no, 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 come on. I'm, it turned up. I need it you ended to up say. Hands was wrong. Thank was you. Wrong. That's all I wanted. Now I, I, I love you even wrong. more. Mad Money is back after the break. The normalization of weed is happening so fast it makes my head spin, although maybe that's from secondhand smoke. It's not just that Canada and a host of states have outright legalized pot. It's that marijuana's gone mainstream. You want proof? Earlier today, I interviewed Brian Athide. He's the CEO of Green Organic Dutchman. That's a Canadian cannabis company. You might think he's some kind of countercultural rebel, right? But you know what? He's used to get this. He spent 25 years toiling at Procter & Gamble, the most mainstream company on earth. I can't even explain how incongruous this is. A P&G executive in the marijuana business? Uh, A year or maybe two years ago, I I would have told you that sounds about as plausible as Cheech and Chong joined the DEA or how and Kumar go to breakfast at Tiffany's. If I was in town to present at the Green Market Reports fascinating cannabis conference today, he told me that even two years ago when he was the CFO of Andrew Peller Limited, that's the largest publicly traded wine and craft alcohol company in Canada, he would never have imagined working at a pot company. But, But that was then. Before Canada embraced full legalization, which goes into effect next month. Now, though, Athai told me that the opportunity was just too great, especially in green organic Dutchman's particular niche, high-end organic ganja. His plan, he hopes to become the whole foods of marijuana. However, we've seen these pot stocks trade wildly of late, so I fretted to him that investors might get hurt if they chase this group too aggressively. I thought I didn't want to talk short-term, and I don't blame him. Even though Green Organic has more than $300 million in capital, it still has no sales. They only just launched the brand this week. But he said something fascinating that really resonated with me. The whole universe of cannabis stocks is worth about $30 billion, but the disruption could be huge, as much as $500 billion worldwide when you tally the market for oils, pharmaceuticals, pet health, edibles, and most important beverages. He's talking about teas, coffees, and alcoholic drinks that will displace billions of dollars with the current sales. That's something we've also heard from Rob Sands, the hard-nosed CEO of Constellation Brands, the U.S. distributor of Corona and Modelo. It's why Constellation bought a major stake in Canopy, the biggest cannabis company, with a roadmap to dominate this nascent industry. Sands doesn't want to get left behind when people start getting stoned instead of getting drunk. However, just as you'd expect from a P&G vet, Mathide made a point of urging people to be sensible about the stocks. Yes, the group's becoming more investable, but he cautioned that you shouldn't expect huge profits or even a big surge in sales when Canada ends prohibition because there's still going to be so many rules and so little infrastructure for selling this stuff legally. It's not like you'll be able to belly up to the bar and order a shot of cannabis liquor, although some provinces are ahead of others. That said, the longer-term view here is incredibly bullish, and I share that, okay? Because the sheer scale of the opportunity created by legalization is just enormous. Call me a believer. I asked him about the prospects for sales in the United States, the really big market, and he said that might have happened eventually. It wasn't saying now, but the pharmaceutical companies and the private prison companies, he says, have waged a behind-the-scenes campaign to keep cannabis prohibition in place thoughtful, huh? My view. I want to introduce you to these high-quality new companies one by one, but I also need to echo Brian's concerns. Don't get ahead of yourself with the cannabis cohort, or your gains could go up in smoke. I think a lot of people believe that sales will take off the moment prohibition is rolled back in Canada. If that doesn't happen, many traders and investors will be disappointed. I don't want you to be one of them. So pay close attention. Dabble if you want. My favorite remains, cannabis, because of Constellation's involvement. But don't believe all the hype. I'm making two pledges to you. One, I will be on the cannabis stocks. I will review them and we will bring them on. But two, I cannot have you be senseless about these. I can't have you buy them right into the big repeal of prohibition and think you'll make money when some of the CEOs in the industry are saying, please be careful, it may not be so great, right out of the gate. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you Monday! This podcast is supported by
2: FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, package-less and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground Service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground.